The Stoic Jew podcast content for the month of May has been made possible by Dan Horowitz, who has graciously taken up my experimental request for an accountability sponsorship in hopes that this will result in more Stoic Jew content. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. As of late, I've been in the mood to jump around in what I read, even more so than usual. And I think for this reason, instead of 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 picking one of Seneca's letters and then sticking with it through the entire week, like we have been doing, I kind of want to just jump around to a different letter and a different topic each day. And I also kind of want to dabble in or delve dabble into letters that I haven't read before, uh, just based on the titles <laughs> and just, uh, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little antsy. So that's what we're going to do this week. Uh, we'll see where it takes us. Uh, so today we're going to do a reading of the first three paragraphs of Seneca's letter number 22, which in the Tim Ferriss edition is entitled, on the, futi- on the futility of halfway measures. And according to the footnote there, the context basically is Lucilius had asked Seneca two questions. Question number one, shall I withdraw from the world? Meaning, shall I part ways from what a lot of the other people are, per- are, are pursuing? And number two, how can I accomplish this? So here is what Seneca writes. You understand by this time that you must withdraw yourself from those showy and depraved pursuits, but you still wish to know how this may be accomplished. There are certain things which can be pointed out only by someone who is present. The physician cannot prescribe by letter the proper time for eating or bathing. He must feel the pulse. There is an old adage about gladiators that they plan their fight in the ring. As they intently watch, something in the adversary's glance, some movement of his hand, even some slight bending of his body gives a warning. We can formulate general rules and commit them to writing as to what is usually done or ought to be done. Such advice may be given not only to our absent friends, but also to succeeding generations. In regard, however, to that second question, when or how your plan is to be carried out, no one will advise at long range. We must take counsel in the presence of the actual situation. You must be not only present in the body, but watchful in mind, if you would avail yourself of the fleeting opportunity. Accordingly, look about you for the opportunity. If you see it, grasp it, and with all your energy and with all your strength, devote yourself to this task to rid yourself of those business duties. Okay, so my first thought when I read this of course, was Bruce Lee, because this is the essence of what Bruce Lee is about. The Tao of Jeet Kune Do, his book on his style of martial arts, and I say style with quotation marks because the whole style is to not be bound by styles. The Tao of Jeet Kune Do is filled with, with writing and with thoughts on how we, we how the, the true martial artists, the truly successful martial artists, is involved in the reality of combat as a dynamic phenomenon. And um, I could I could read a ton from Bruce Lee, but I tried to limit myself to just a few quotations here. So this is from the Tao of Jeet Kune Do, and uh, he writes as follows. Instead of facing combat in its suchness, then, most systems of martial arts accumulate a fancy mess, quote-unquote, that distorts and cramps their practitioners and distracts them from the actual reality of combat, which is simple and direct. Instead of going immediately to the heart of things, flowery forms, organized despair, and artificial techniques are ritualistically practiced to stimulate, to, sorry, to simulate uh, actual combat. Thus, instead of being in combat, these practitioners are doing something about combat. Worse still, supermental powers and spiritual this and spiritual that are desperately incorporated until these practitioners drift further and further into mystery and abstraction. All such things are futile attempts to arrest and fix the ever-changing movements in combat and to dissect and analyze them like a corpse. When you get down to it, real combat is not fixed and is very much alive. The fancy mess, a form of paralysis, solidifies and conditions what was once fluid, and when you look at it realistically, it is nothing but a blind devotion to the systematic uselessness of practicing routines or stunts that lead nowhere. How can there be 
methods and systems to the, to arrive at something that is living. To that which is static, fixed, dead, there can be a way, a definite path, but not to that which is living. Do not reduce reality to a static thing and then invent methods to reach it. Truth is relationship with the opponent, constantly moving, living, never static. Truth has no path. Truth is living and therefore changing. It has no resting place, no form, no organized institution, no philosophy. When you see that, you will understand that this living thing is also what you are. You cannot express and be alive through static, put-together form, through stylized movement. So those who have heard me talk about Bruce Lee know that, that Bruce Lee's whole approach to martial arts really formed the foundation of my whole approach to teaching, uh, to being a high school teacher, and, and I guess now not a high school teacher, now a teacher uh, at large. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, you know, this is what bothered me when I was in graduate school because they had all of these these static fixed methods of, of what you are and aren't supposed to do. And not only were these methods <laughs> contrived and, and often not tested in the real world, but, but they, they were stultifying. Like they, that's, I think that's a word, right? They were stultifying. They, they, uh, they restricted me and kind of prevented me from, from responding in real time to the dynamic reality of the students who were before me. And really my, my, my derech, my approach as a teacher, really stemmed from trying to be true to my own teaching intuition, but then also being being responsive to what's actually going on in front of me in in the discussion, in the moment, and uh, and with these particular students. And so, this really resonated with me that there's only so far. Of course, you can have general principles, and there is a reality. When when Bruce Lee said that truth is not, uh, you know, what did he say? Truth is not. Um, just gotta get this. Yeah, truth has no path. Uh, and, uh, and there's no philosophy, no organized institution. Even Bruce Lee didn't actually hold that in an absolute sense. I mean, he still holds that if you throw a punch and you're grabbing your thumb, then you're going to break your thumb. Like that's a principle that you don't, you don't put your thumb in your fist when you punch. Uh, and so there are ways to do things. And, and, but the point is, is that when you're actually in, in combat or in the classroom, then you really have to keep alive that fluidity and that response and that cannot be prescribed. Like there's no way to prescribe that. And it relies a lot on intuition. Like you said, like Seneca said with the gladiator that you see a certain, a certain look or a certain swift movement and you respond to that in real time. Now, uh, so this, th those, that was my first thought. Okay. But then my second thought was this really sheds light on Pirke Avos. Okay. So I know there's probably different ways to learn Pirke Avos, but my, you know, I've taught Pirke Avos for many years now, and my approach is kind of centered around the Gemara statement in Bava Kama, Daf Lamed Amad Aleph, Haiman Debay Lemihabe Chasida, Likai Mili De Avos, that if a person wants to be a Chasid, uh, roughly translated as a pious person, he should fulfill the principles of, of, uh, of Avos. So Chasid is someone who goes Lifnimishur Sadin, someone who goes beyond the letter of the law. And one of the major differences, I mean, there are many, but one of the major differences between my favorite Sefer, which is Mishle, Proverbs, and Pirkei Avos, is that Mishle really is for everybody. It's written for different people at different levels. Like Shlomo says in the beginning, it's for a pesi, you know, a naive simpleton, a na'ar, a youth, a chacham, a wise person, a navon, an understanding person. Pirkei Avos, although you can gain from it, even if you are not on the level to be a chassid, it is written for a chassid. It's written for people who are, are at the level of development where they're trying to go beyond the letter of the law. And, and I always thought of that posing one major obstacle for the average person, which is the average person has to focus on the letter of the law. The average person has to focus on the basic foundations and, the, and, and their, their, their regular ethical development before they can proceed and go beyond the letter of the law. But there's another difficulty, mm -hmm. which I'm appreciating mm -hmm. from this letter of Seneca, which is that 
that you can't, you can pres prescribe basic development, but you can't prescribe you can't prescribe going beyond the letter of the law because it is very, very dependent on the circumstances and on the particulars of you and the situation and the decision at hand. And that that that's a higher level. And that's another barrier to entry in terms of implementing the ideas of Pirke Alvos in your life. So I think Seneca, I mean, not, not that Seneca needs my approval here, but I mean, I think it sounds like he was wise to not try to, to give um, Lucilius uh, advice uh, about this withdrawal from the world until like they're there in, in, in person and he can advise him about the particulars of his, of his situation. And I, I, it's, it, there's a certain stoic twist to that in the fact that, that the stoics are clearly about principles, uh, living your life based on ideas. Yet Seneca here is, is, is saying that there is a line at which you can't just like plug ideas into your decisions directly and you you need to respond to the subtleties of the situation and and that is a certain like letting go of control which is a very stoic thing okay those are my thoughts on this uh this excerpt here again uh, tomorrow I, i'd like to go into another random topic but that's that that's for, that's it for today's episode uh if you've gained from what you've learned here today and would like to support my production of even more torah content please consider contributing to my patreon at www.patreon.com link is in the description thank you to my listeners for listening and thank you to my patrons for supporting my efforts to make torah ideas available and accessible to everyone and i want to start a new practice which is at least once a month, I guess on the first of the month, like today, I want to thank all of my patrons by name. So thank you. And this is in order of when you became a patron. A patron. Thank you very much to Tamar, Isaiah, Isaac, Rafi, Danny, Anne, Aaron, Ed, Moshe, Dove, Esti, Ellie, Dan, Gersh, Stephen, Adam, Albert, Avi H, Gabi, Ariel, Ezra, Yaakov, Donnie, Johnny, Terry, Elliot, Jonah, Daniel, Yael, Shai, Frederick, Yael, Jonathan, Gula, Jacob and Avi G. Thank you so much, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll see where tomorrow's adventure takes us.